Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. Let me turn this off real quick. Episode 21, PJ Sun Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I try to keep you guys up to date on uh, all the numbers and statistics and all that stuff. We're at 599 episodes. So as always, thank you for your um, sticking around and listening to me and my weird life and uh, stories and, and everything else. Um, friends of mine and guests. Um, I do have some pretty cool stuff coming up. I always say that, but I hope you think it's pretty cool. My uh, nurse practitioner at the testosterone clinic I go to, I talked to her today uh, after blood draw, and she's going to come on to speak about testosterone and how uh, you know it can help you guys. And maybe we can answer some questions on here that um, devilify it, if you will. And of course, it's not medical advice, and she'll be the first one to say that. But, um, you know, I, I, my thing is to get everybody feeling better. And it has done numbers for me as far as quality of life, uh, exercising, and just uh, mental health and clarity, um, and, and a, a list of other things that go into it. So uh, check it out. Uh, she'll be coming in a couple of weeks, 23rd of February. And we'll, so we'll get, we're going to go hard into hormone replacement and, and hormones and what they do and what they are and, and why they're important and, uh, you know, how they can help us as males and females getting a little bit older. So <clears throat> check that one out. Her name's Jenny and, uh, she'll be coming in to hang with us. I've got my buddy Chase from work. Uh, he came over tonight. We had a good lift. Would you, you, do you have a good lift? Oh yeah, it was definitely. Yeah. What do we do? Seven or eight rounds, something like that. I don't know how many rounds it was, at the end there, but I'm glad we did that many. We did a little circuit thing, uh, buys and tries, which I think was a good call. Just doing it that way, like I was telling you, like I do like the structured stuff. Uh, Chase and I have worked out. I'm talking to people at home. We I went up to the gym one time with him where there's tons of equipment and, and you know you, you have access to fucking everything. Uh, but in my house, we don't have that much. So it, it, I think it just helps me knowing that you go to a gym with everything available and yet you can still come here. I didn't have any doubts about that. Right. But it's like we can you can still get work done just in a dude's basement, you know. Right. Yeah. A lot of people think you need uh, all this special equipment or motivation or diet or or, or whatever right. it is to, to get that in. And I mean, we kind of had fun with it. We talked a little bit in between, a yeah. little rest. Yeah. Got some water in between and, and music. I think we grew an inch on our arms in one night. Man. It feels like it. It <laughs> yeah. feels like it. Like we were talking about earlier, it's that that washing my hair thing. I think for because you have to reach up a little bit and shit, you know, wiping your ass. You said that was another one. That's another big one too. There's those tests or like getting up off the toilet after a leg day. It's always like, all right, today was productive, you know. Right. But yeah. I was, uh, I'm, I got mine in today for sure. I woke up this morning. I didn't have to be in until ten o'clock today. Up at fucking four, anyways, just because I'm, you know, we're getting up at three forty. You get up about the same time, probably three forty. Yeah. About the same distance to work, so, um, so sleeping in is not happening. So I got the kids off to the bus and all that stuff. But I came down today, um, uh, this morning and just like got a really good stretch on. I've been having some, uh, just shoulder and elbow shit lately. Lower back always a little bit, but had a really good stretch. But I was thinking like I need to save this up for tonight because I know we're gonna go hard, you know. So, uh, yeah, I got a good one in. 
Me too. I snuck some extra calories in. I had to show you up a little bit. What'd you eat today? <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. How many? How? What are you at? Um, right now I'm probably, probably at like three thousand, thirty five hundred calories for the day. Yeah, I'm starving. All right, guys, thanks for tuning meal. in. We gotta go eat now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna have to fucking eat though. I, uh, I have one more meal. Yeah. You got one more. What's your ne- What's your last one? Uh, I've already got the carbs in from another. Usually I have like the beef rice. Right. But, right. Uh, I already got carbs in from another source instead of rice, so I just have to at, le- at least at minimum one more pound of ground beef, or it could be like a steak or whatever. But I'm yeah, gonna eat ground beef probably. It's available and easy. Yeah, it's fast to cook, man. It tastes decent. Yeah, I'm a big sauce guy. So right now the kick, I mean you've seen me run through all, yeah, all sorts you, of sauces, you are man. Saucy. But uh, right now I'm running on the uh, Buffalo Wild Wings medium hot sauce. Really? It's just like. I don't, it's not so hot that I sweat and hate eating because it's too hot. It's enjoyable. It's good flavor. Yeah. Uh, goes well with the beef, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I appreciate it. I found, dude, my stomach has gotten sensitive to like barbecue sauces and, and red sauces and shit more since I, I don't know it's, if it's getting older or just, it, it just happened that way. But I kind of, I like them a lot, but I, I know I got to pay for it later. And that to me doesn't seem, you know. I was telling a guy uh, at work the other day, yesterday, I think, about the the boring aspect of of meat and rice. And I brought in some deer meat today and texted guys. And I was like, hey, I got, I did like three cups of, uh, enough rice for, I had two helpings of it and <laughs> Cody had one. Everybody, and, But Lauren was like, of course you brought fucking white rice, you know? I'm like, dude, what's so wrong? But like. Uh, that conversation I was having yesterday, the boring thing. I'm like, I guess if you think so, I, I understand, I guess what you're saying, but we've talked about it a bunch of times. Every meal can't be the best meal you've ever had in your life. It's ridiculous to think, you know? And so, but I found like with the eggs and then the meat and rice thing, I, I, I can just keep doing it and it hasn't gotten old to this point. For me, what ends up happening is it will get old. So two things. One, you get creative. Uh, so your macros, right? Um, let's just, you want fats, proteins, and carbs. Sure. You have a number that you want to reach with all of them. Right. By the end of the day, as long as you, my philosophy, as long as you hit it by the end of the day, you're doing good. Yeah. And I, I try to compare it as working out. Not every workout will be 100%. Right. You're not going to like every workout. <clears throat> it's not going to be great. Food's the same way. If 70% of the time you're consistent eating that beef, rice, whatever. Right. And then the other days you just hit your numbers, it could be a little off. Sometimes I have canes, man. Like it's 2,000 sure. calories for a caniac combo. It's a lot. Sure. A lot more fat in it. But that's where if I have a whole week of eating clean and then I have that one meal, that for me, that's a reset. That's like taking a shower when you're of course when you're sweaty, man. Yeah. And do you get tired of taking a shower? No. You like the feeling of being clean, right? Right. I like the feeling that the food gives me that yeah. energy or when I look good, right. Wearing clothes or I try something on and I'm surprised. Sure. I look a certain way to me. That's not boring. So for some folks eating, uh, the same stuff is the boring part. Right. But then the rest of their life, what they do would be the boring side for me. So like I just flip flop. it. Yeah. I'll have a boring meal to have a cool life or, when I carry a deer out of the woods, man, I think it's a, I, I just the manliest thing to yeah. throw a deer on your back. That's pretty gnarly. To me, that is the exciting part, not the meal. It has yeah. nothing to do with the food. I'll give you credit on the 70% thing because I stole that rule from you. And it does, 
um, put things into perspective a little bit, or well, a lot of it for me, uh, just about not having to be a hundred percent. Right. Because a, that it's, it's next to impossible for me. I, you know what I mean? I never, I didn't get straight A's and not that, right. but like a C average, which I think a 70 is still a C. Mm-hmm. It might even be a high D, yeah. whatever a 70 <laughs> is. You're I'm passing. A pretty good C student, you know? Right. So if I can, if I can roll that over into life, whatever it is, parenting, food, whatever it is, I think 70 is pretty fair. And then you get those A's. You get that A+. plus. You get those hundreds. I cheat on some tests now and again. Right. So eventually, doesn't matter. that average is going to go up. Right. You don't stay at 70. Yeah. You know, that might be, you might get 70% of your workouts are going to be at 70%. That other 30%, that boosts that number up for you, that GPA, right. if, if you will. Right, right. Uh, and that's where... It's that it's consistency over time. So sure. for five years, you can always get a C most of the time, and then you bang out some really good stuff and you studied up or whatever. Yeah, and you get those A's. It's going to average a little bit higher if everybody on the team is pretty good, and then they have their good days. And you do that for years, you're only going to grow. You're going to get better. Sure. And you have a solid team. Yeah, you know that's where you make your money. It's not having a hundred percent on the team that can't work together. You, know, well, I mean, you can't compound on that. Right. Well, and even uh, even being, even let's just say you only do 70%. That's 70% more than zero. Right. Right. So if you're, if you're always at zero, always eating shit, never working out. Now, I mean, that zero is a real fucking far way away from 70. And your 70% may be somebody else's 120 so when you average it that way, oh yeah, you know what I mean. Then all of a sudden you're you're I mean you're up you're that top one percent. Yeah. You know, if you can bench two twenty five, I don't know the actual number, but you know there's a very small percentage of people that even go to the gym. Right. That can bench that. Yeah. So for you, like for me, two twenty five at this point feels light, but that that's, fuck you. But <laughs> see, that's my average. Yeah, you know, I get it. I get it. Right. So if I constantly am lifting, what is what is seventy percent of what? You know, like. For yeah. me, my zero may be somebody's eighty. Right. So seventy per me, seventy percent for me is is just way higher. Yeah. Uh, and that grows over time, man. And it, same thing with the food. You know, when you miss a meal, you notice it. it one meal, we're talking a thousand calories in a day. You're like, whoa, big time. Something's wrong with me, man. Yeah. But you already ate better and ate more than most people would, and you're trying to grow. Right. It just stacks. Yeah. So I had blood draw this morning. I think I said that. I had mm-hmm. blood draw this morning. So I hadn't eaten since last night at whatever, seven, because I wanted to fast because I wanted to do my lipid panel just to see, you know, all that other bullshit. You might as well every once in a while just get all that stuff done. Worth it, yeah. So then I got up this morning, did the stretch thing, got the kids off, <clears throat> got to be leaving here. I, my appointment was at nine, right? So anyway, I get to work at 10 i made sure i brought a shake so i had a shake and a banana it like that's a long time to not have eaten for me you know well then we're gonna start cooking around 11 30 so it's like well i can't <laughs> fill up too much because i really want to eat this backstrap that i brought in to share with the guys they've all fed me so much deer meat that it's like my turn to, to bring some in you know and share and uh but dude by the time that shit was like coming off and we fried it and stuff it was fucking killer but by the time it was ready i mean i it, but you know isn't it weird sometimes when you're so hungry i i thought to myself today we pounded them out 
ready them fried them. I thought like, because long cut, there was like a half of one of the back straps. He was like, hey man, take this home. We got plenty here. I'm like, nah, dude, we're going to need this. I'm going to eat eight of these things. You know, he was like, trust me, we're fine. <laughs> I got through two and a half of them and was like, all right, and some rice and shit. But I'm like, all right, you know. But uh, sometimes when I'm the most hungry, I eat way less. Yeah, you like, you eat so much so quickly almost because yeah. you're hungry. All of a sudden you feel full as can be. Yeah. Yeah. Steve was talking about it today with his son. He's, you know, growing up teenager and stuff, athlete. And we were talking about uh, water, you know, drinking water can. And it's like that nerve that says I'm full when your stomach expands to a certain point. That nerve, whatever, I'm, I know it's not called a nerve, whatever. Problem, but that yeah. thing, that trigger goes off regardless of water or food, you know, so you can really trick yourself into thinking that. So he was telling his son, and it, but it, it anyway, it happened to work with his son the one time. He's like, man, I'm just not, as I, I had my gallon of water today or whatever, and I'm just not as hungry. And Steve's like, told you, you know, so yeah. it's like, it's real, real science. Sometimes when I'm just starving, pound out a bunch of water in it fucking works yeah plus it's like a, a stomach stretch right kind of thing um what was it it's a couple days ago i was at work and uh so i didn't overnight i ate more so i eat about 4200 calories a day i ate like 4500 just in my work time not including the meal that i had the other 12 hours of the day yeah so i probably had six to seven thousand calories in that day and for whatever reason it was awesome and that, that's when I went to the gym. So oh, I that got morning. off work. Yeah, yeah. And I just felt on top What'd of the world. What'd you hit, 270 or something? Two, I hit 260 for four. Yeah. For a couple sets. Yeah. yeah. You got big as fuck this winter, dude. What'd you go from one? I was 166 uh, late August. That's when I did my triathlon. Right. I, I slimmed down. And then, uh, so now it's February something. Seven. Seven. Six or seven. Uh, so I think, and then I, I started bulking, I think it was September time frame is when I really started uh putting on the weight but it was in 20 weeks i did the ma i looked at the back of the the photos of the scale photos that i took so in 35 weeks i put on or sorry correction in 20 weeks i put on 35 pounds so i'm 200 now wow yeah which you, is over a pound a week yeah right? you got big dude <laughs> where did you where did this thing start for you this lifting and stuff was it army was it yeah so i think that um being in the army, I mean, obviously, you know, you, you exercise, whatever, uh, which I didn't really like. Um, yeah, they give you that for free. I guess like somebody telling you to work out or whatever, mm -hmm. and you just, I just don't want to do it or whatever it may be, right? You, you, you're not doing what you want to do or whatever the case. Right. Um, and then uh, on deployment, really, my buddy, he was a pretty, pretty beefy dude. And he was like, there's nothing to do out there. He's like, hey, man, like on our free time, like, let's, why don't you come work out with me? All right, sure. So I, I kind of got into it then. And then when I came home, um, you know how it can be like, you're just not in the greatest, like mental spot or whatever. So it's like, what am I going to do? The only thing that I could continue to do that I did on deployment, like I missed, right. Um, you know, you're not going to missions or whatever, you know, you're, you're not around the boys as much or so yeah. the only thing I could keep doing, I, I think this is kind of how I piece it together was to continue to lift. Yeah. Uh, and that was it. And I was able to spend time with the same guy that I lifted with on deployment. So I just kept lifting when I came home and then I, I didn't really know what I was doing. I mean, I got in good shape, but as I learned more and more and then incorporated diet and dude, it's just, it's been an uphill. Ever since. It's been awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. You say that 
at at Pendleton, you know, this is like not Iraq stuff, but at Pendleton, we had access to like even on Camp Horno, which is considered like the doghouse of Camp Pendleton where I lived, we had access to, you know, all of the um equipment, gym stuff you could need for free for free right you could just hang out there all day yeah and a couple of the guys were big on it but it was weird because the guys that were really really into it you would see them just grow and then we'd go to the field for a month and then it was just all loot and then so i don't know why i i was never uh in high school i got signed up my junior year so my junior and senior year, I took a personal fitness class. Nice. So you lift Monday, Wednesday, Friday, run Tuesday, Thursday. And that was all in preparation. So I had a little bit of time like working out and put like I got healthy and stuff before I left. Um, so it's not like working out was foreign to me. But for some reason, like when I when we got. It was just like I didn't need I. I at the time I felt I didn't need to be like as big and muscular as I did fast and nimble or something like that. More capable at your weight, like right. Master of yourself. Yeah. Versus lift a bunch of right. Yeah. But looking back like, dude, on those weekends and after work and you know what I mean? When they cut us loose, it's like, go hit the gym. And some guys were, and I'm just like, fuck that. I'd rather chill out, you know? Yeah. I got whatever else going on. Yeah. It's more important. Yeah. For me, uh, like in high school, I did take a weightlifting class. Um, I still so I was a I was like a buck forty as a senior, really little dude. Yeah. Um, and I still remember this day. There was like four dudes I think I was friends with in there. So we'd all kind of like rotate through the bench or whatever. And those guys always had whatever weight it was, and plus five or ten, and they were doing the same deal, and it was working for them. And uh, I just think like I felt. Because we'd always pull way a ton of weight off. I mean, I remember putting having a bar and just a thirty five sure on the bar, and being able to do like two reps on the bench. Well, but as a hundred and forty pounder, again, this goes to your seventy percent thing. Yeah, but at the time, it was just like I think it was such an embarrassing moment. Like I guess for my my ego, really, well, I'm sure. not sure. You know, yeah, but yeah, yeah. You're Absolutely. a dude. You yeah. know, you're around hanging hang out with dudes that like can lift or right. play football. I didn't play any sport. You know, nothing. Yeah, right. So. Seeing that, like it almost discouraged me from lifting, even though they had nothing to do with it. They were encouraging, but uh, it was just a me thing. I can and, relate, yeah. And there's just a point where you have to, like, is that what you want forever? Because it won't happen. I mean, people look at me now and they say, oh, like, that's cool. You're this big or you eat whatever you want and you look like this. It's like, well, all those days and those nights that I work out that nobody knows about right. or when it takes me two hours to eat a meal because I'm just not hungry today. Yeah. Nobody knows about that. Yeah. But that's what makes, that's that boring half that I'm okay with sacrificing my meals or, you know, like. Um, Time. Right. Like yesterday, it took me like two hours to eat my one pound of beef and then it's like a cup of rice. I just watched YouTube. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. But it was necessary. Right. Yeah. It's a little dumb. But then when I put a t-shirt on, uh, like. I went to a funeral yesterday and it was for my friend's father. I passed away from high school. Mm -hmm. All these people from high school showed up uh, that were all, they were like somebody in high school. Right. And I was not. And uh, by far the most in shape, like everybody didn't recognize me. Yeah. They're like, who? Oh, what? 
that's great, you know. Yeah. And that to me was the coolest feel. I mean, sure. That was great. They say like whatever the saying goes, like all the important work happens in the dark when nobody's watching, you know. But getting up earlier and and all that stuff, but it's like yeah. I mean, it's cool to look that way. You're a little bit different. 25, not married, no kids, right? I I have one person in this world that needs to be attracted to me. And yeah, it's got a lot to do with her, but it's also a lot to do with me. You know, I want my kids to know that their old man ain't no punk, you know, for sure. And, and, and I want to feel better about myself. Right. And all the shit. And I've got stuff from being a kid and stuff. I just didn't feel great about. I had tons of friends and fun and all that, but like is a different thing there. It's a huge, that's kind of how it started with me. It was like, like I said, a mental game coming home from deployment, man. It was just like, I missed it so much. What can I do to not miss it? Yeah. I guess. So like my two hours in the gym was my time to attach or reattach. Right. Yeah. And, and it, it started that. I mean, d- there's definitely days where I go to the gym because I just don't feel it. Yeah. Like I don't feel good. And I just, I know I can feel better there. Change it. Yeah. But eventually for me, it has like changed. Yeah. Uh, instead of all the time it was for mental. Now it's like sometimes, I mean, right. yesterday I went to the gym twice because right. I just wasn't there. Uh, and that's part of the gig. But nowadays, you know, I, I want to look a certain way or like when I put a shirt on, when I put a, a, a shirt on, it's like tight man in the right spots that it's just, it's cool. I never had that, you know, it's just like, I could imagine like being rich. Yeah. Like going out to your cool car every day. Yeah. Like you're playing, I don't need it, but the feeling it gives me because I never had it, that is more important, or you know. Well, and it, there's something special to this whole thing, right? Because it's a personal, it's a personal adventure or or whatever. Like you said, you can't get it. You, you can't it like you can't buy it. Um, you can take all the steroids, and I just talked about testosterone. Trust me, folks, when I tell you there are plenty of guys that go to the clinic that have no, they don't desire working out. I, I good on you, whatever. Um, and but they're it's mental for them as far as the testosterone therapy goes, right? Like but, quality life, kind of what you were absolutely right. But on. you can go jack whatever you want and not put the work in, and I'm telling you, you know as well as I do, it, it's. There's people out there to do it. It's just not going to work out. But Alicia, I I was always a runner. Uh, I was going to say that too. When I got home, I wanted to forget. So I went down that road of forgetful. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to be attacked. I just wanted to forget all kinds of stuff, you know? So I didn't go that route. And it's like, of course, hindsight's always twenty twenty. I, I really wish I would have. And I tell the kids all the time, like, don't wait until you're in your mid-30s to start this thing. Because, like, the the problems mentally and physically you can avoid from just taking care. I'm not talking about banging heavy weight. I'm just, like, just taking care of yourself and, you know. Uh, but Alicia was always what she is now. She always, I mean, like I told you earlier, dude, she's got to be really sick to miss a day. And, no, she's not powerlifting and shit like that but she's always gets her work in and and over the years she was just like because when i was trying to find out why i wanted to work out and stay in shape and shit and i'm like I don't, is this for me or for her like I, if i if i don't stay in shape is she gonna not be attracting me what the fuck is this thing all about and then i started feeling as it became a habit 
just better and better and better. And then you get that compliment from your wife sometimes or, or your girlfriend or your buddy, whoever it is. And it's like, whoa, you know, obviously something's working here. But she always said it's like brushing her teeth. It's something you're going to do today. If not at five in the morning, at five. But it's like it's a part of your day. I always like to try to relate to, to somebody and like you have to find your why. Right. And your why may be different every day. You wake up and today you're struggling with whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, I know if I go succeed in this thing, that's going to make whatever situation that I think is horrible, maybe like not as bad. Of course. So uh, another way to think about it is like find your excuse to win. Your win is like your workout. Why am I doing it today? Hey, maybe today, like uh, maybe you started dating somebody. Like if I started dating somebody new. Right. And that's like my motivation for the next year, man, roll with it. Whatever. That's one more year. Yeah. You know, if your excuse is I woke up and I feel like shit and you're like, I, I know if I go get a pump, I'll look good. And that'll give me a, a little bit of confidence that today I don't look as bad as I think. Of course. Hey man, like that's why you oh, got farted again. Sorry. Oh, you're good. I echo. You're fucking gross. <laughs> but that's like, that's what a lot of people I think miss is, they think that like watching motivational videos on YouTube or, uh, you know, they see their friend go to the gym, like they want that external motivation and it's like motivation helps complete the job, but you'll never start it. You'll, you'll never like create that trend on motivation. It's gotta be like an internal discipline that yeah. I'm going to work out today. Why am I going to do it? I don't know. I'm going to find a way a reason and then you do it. And then that creates that motivation or, now, when I lift and I see another dude lift heavier than me, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get there. Yeah. That's the motivation to push harder, but it's not the reason I'm at the gym. Right. And and for everybody, that's going to be different. You know, you have to find that. If you, if you want to be an example for your kids, I, I like to use this one a lot for people who have kids. Do you want your kid to grow up with a family that doesn't eat good, that's unhealthy? That's all they know. That's what they learn. And then they grow up. And they don't know any better, you know, until they discover it. So is that the the is that the path you want your kid to take, at least for a while until they figure it out? Or they never will. Right. Or do you want to at least put that thought in their head and show them, hey, you can be this way if that's what you want. It's up to you. Yeah. It's the but, introduction. Right. You know. Like I never had it. My parents you know, no, nobody in my family is healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And you said something about like YouTube and, and I don't, I don't do any social media, but I know what it is. And there's something about, you know, the, the likes and positive comments and negative comments, but like likes and shit like that, that it's like, it's triggering people's brains and giving, giving them for just a little while, just a little, just a little peep show of, this is what it's like to be Chris Bumstead or one of these GBR, like one of those type of people. And it's like, it makes you feel good in your brain. But then when you turn that off, you, you realize that was all just, so it's like, you can't watch it anywhere. It's not the way that it works. It, it just doesn't. If it, it did, we'd all be, ja- I mean, right. It's like that saying, like everybody wants to be gangster till it's time to be gangster. Right. You want to be a gangster, man. You got to do what it takes for that. Yeah, I'll take you to Kenlock right now. Right. We if you practice. just meet a dude, you think he's cool, and you get to hang out with him for the day, so you think you're a part of it, that's going to disappear. Yeah. You're not yeah. that. Surface. Right. I just went through... Uh, it was a lot. Um, 
I do not. My children are not Alicia's biological children, so I'm going to. Without incriminating myself here or anyone else, uh, you know, I have problems on the um, sharing of children. Right. So. There are a lot of times that. Uh, many things are out of my control. Right. So, for instance, cash. You guys, buddy that you've heard talk on here before, he was just messing around in school, you know, and so I had to ground him and take away his Xbox and his phone and all this stuff. Right. When he leaves my house. I have zero control. If that punishment is going to spill over to the other place that he lives. Unfortunately, it doesn't. So then like. I guess where I'm going with this is that I it always seems like I'm the disciplinary one, right? And so that bums me out. And and just the fact that he's like not being disrespectful, but when your teachers tell you to stop, you need to be stopping and stuff like that, you know, and then and then got another call like two weeks later and it was the same stuff. And it just it it wore on me. I had one of those months where you basically just work night shifts. That is that is it it wore on me. Kind of messed up my one shoulder, my one elbow. Kind of wore on me. You know, so it was just like a lot of these things, finances, we're trying to get this basement finished, just like a, a lot of different shit going on. My father-in-law's not doing well in the hospital. My, so that stresses my wife out when she's stressed out. I try to take all that thinking that, okay, if Alicia's stressed out and then I get stressed out, it will relieve her. And it doesn't work that way, right? So I, I couldn't find that why for like a few days. And like, even when I would force myself to come down here, I mentally, I had stronger opinions as to why I should go back upstairs or whatever, you know? And then like, just again, the, the night shift thing is always going to be a big problem, but like it was tough finding my why for a few days. And then when I finally, you know, so I had to slow down drop weight a little bit and start being a little smarter about things. You can't just recover like you used to and all that other stuff. But when you come back to a habit like that after giving yourself some time off or being depressed, I got depressed and cried about my son a few times because it's like I just want. I don't not want him to be an 11 year old boy and make mistakes. That's not that's not what I'm aiming for, but it's like. I want him to be the best version of himself he can be. I understand that's out of my fucking control, too, but I, I'm thinking all these things and it's just compounding and compounding it seems and uh i i couldn't i didn't come up with my reason for like a week and that really i found out really got to my psyche like and then and then so when i kind of popped out of it it was like what's that one thing that's missing and it was just coming down to my base you know what i mean i needed it like so it, now i'm like dependent and in a weird <laughs> way but it's like a good healthy thing to finally be dependent on right yeah if you got to be stuck to something but that kind of falls back to your, to your like excuse to win. Yeah. Um, that instead of losing, so losing would be quit working. Zero. Out, right. 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 Or getting out of shape. It may have taken a couple of days. It take a week, a month, whatever. It may, but like you continued to find an excuse to get back, and that's your win. It, you know, if it, man, if it took a month of every day of just like continuously thinking why, why, why I need, so, I need to come up with something, man. 
you're still fighting. You're finding the excuse. You're still hunting for it. Yeah. And a lot of folks will tap out. Like, yeah. I don't want to win anymore. Um, so, I mean, kudos to you, man, for like, it's a, I don't have kids, so I can't exactly relate, but uh, it's good that you, you kept fighting for that, that why. And, and I think it's great to have that, um, like that compassion, like you, you really obviously care yeah. about your kids a ton. Yeah. And not everybody experiences that from, from a, a, a father figure. Sure. Parent. And I so, didn't. Right. So, and I, and I think it's incredibly important that uh, you maintain that. Cause I, I don't think that's a, a bad trait. I hear you. A, you know. I hear you. But it's like, you also can't, I, I need to be better at letting it. And I don't always, this just so happened to be a bunch of shit happened at this one point in time. And that was my like focus was my son. Uh, and the one night I thought it would be a good idea. I'm like, you know what? I don't even care anymore. <laughs> I ordered a medium Papa John's sausage pepperoni bacon with an extra garlic dude. I ate that whole thing. And like, you know, when you, when you're down and out and you think like food for some reason is going to like <laughs> help you feel better. And it was great. I, I needed a, a pizza or something anyways, but like immediately I was like, Oh God, that thing's going to roll over tomorrow. And I mean, I just had this whole pizza in my gut. It just like weighed me down the next day. I'm like, well, that didn't help depression whatsoever it made it way worse if anything we need reminders like that i i mean i ate a freaking tub of ice cream the other day because i couldn't i just i tried to eat beef just wasn't about it tried eating everything that i eat right my normal daily and i just nothing tasted good i was not about it my excuse was like all right we're gonna pound a tub of ice cream you're gonna hate it you're gonna feel like shit because you didn't eat anything else today your only calories are just sugar and freaking milk and you're going to feel horrible. And then you're, it's going to remind you or it reminded me, dang, dude, this is not, this is why we don't do yeah, this every good point. day. Good point. And that was my excuse. I had to kind of beat myself up a little bit Yeah. to remind myself like, okay, man, get, you know, grab the reins again. Like, yeah, reel it in. And sometimes you just got to do it. Back to my depression thing, not to stay on depression, but it's just, uh, you know, it feels good to, to talk it out. And then, if there's anybody else out there, right? So I was noticing that, again, like I said, if I take Alicia's anxiety, it'll go away from her. It doesn't. And so I try to do this thing where I think I can control, like, so um, we, her and I had to talk about, like, by me not, sometimes when I share with her things about the kids that her being a step-parent pretty much out of her control as far as when they leave here it it can create you know because she cares so much that now she it, it's her opinion right and it upsets her too everything you know what i mean there, she's known she's been around these kids since they're like three years old so like they're her kids you know um but i i kept thinking like if i don't share and just keep it all to myself i am relieving her of having to take on any more stress or whatever. And it, so we had to talk about it and she was like, you know, when you do that, it's actually worse. And of course my brain is like fucking lizard. You know, I'm like, well, there's no way if I don't share, but turns out I needed to share more. 
because really then what I do is just, uh, what's it called when you are, I introvert and don't say much like at all, which sometimes obviously is worse, especially in relationships, you know, especially when it's got to do with kids and life and everything else. So it's like I had to, and I'm always trying to learn a little bit as far as how to be a better communicator and I'm not that great at it. I, um, I think I come from like a place where my mom was very open. My mom raised me. I could tell my mom anything and, and, and that's fine. But like just swallowing it all, keeping it all in and down and then waiting. And, and so where I'm going with this is I think that's where kind of the whole few days of that bullshit started was because it gets to a point where I just, I hold, 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 hold. And eventually the valve's going to blow, you know? And so it was just like, it gets to a point where I'm just fucking exhausted. And I, I, it's like, it takes everything out of me and I'm trying to save people from dealing with things, but really I just drag her in deeper water and it's like, it doesn't have to get to that point, you know? So I guess what I'm trying to say is open up lines of communication with your spouse or your other, and it could be better. It's kind of that form of community. I'm, I'm trying to remember the gentleman's name. Um, He's the guy that documented the movie or the documentary uh, Restrepo. Can't think of his name. I don't, I, I know what you're talking about, but I don't know. He, he has like a YouTube, um, he, he does, I think it's on Ted talk, but he does, uh, like, um, can't think of what it's called, but he like talks to different crowds about his different theories or explains why he studies a lot about like combat and war and, one of his big things is why do young men miss combat? Good question. And um, one thing that he, his theory or, or like what he studies or what he believes is that um, a lot of young men miss the community. It has nothing to do with what happens over there. It has nothing to do with uh, everything that you come home with, but it has everything to do with the burden that you may have, you share it amongst the tribe, which is the men that you're with. So if you have a hundred percent full tank and I'm at 25 and you share 25 with me, I'm at 50, you're at 75. You share with another dude, he's 50, you're 50, I'm 50. We have a lot more to go and that's sustainable and you can keep that up. And that constantly relieves everybody and makes a much happier state amongst the group, the community, even at 50. Right. And eventually like, as you and I talk, even if we're both at 50, that's going to go away because we share it. We understand each other. Mm. That's going to get relieved. And over time that keeps happening. And so it's like that tribal aspect of like, why, why were native Americans like such a happy group is kind of, I, 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 there's a lot that he goes into, but it's because like when, when the men would go away, let's say to, to, to fight another tribe when they came back, like they sat around that campfire and they shared and, you know, to the elders, to the children and the women, yeah. whatever. And that dispersed this like stress. Right. And that's why that community feeling feels so good. And that's what a lot of young men miss about going to war is because for me, at least there's absolutely no better feeling than that feeling that you have with the people you're with. Like I, I don't cry. I cry when I, when I left Syria, 
I cried. Yeah. And a lot of stuff happened. And that was the only time I shed a tear. Really? I was going home. Yeah. You know, and that's like the saddest part. And 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 I was gonna rule this into like how you're feeling lately with that depressed state is like I have friends now, you know, that that I'm out, right? I'm back home. But those dudes just aren't and and no no fault on them by any means, but it's not the same group that I was with. And obviously we haven't built the same relationship, but um like when you when you have those friends, I guess, on the on the civilian side, um, what ends up happening, at least for me, like when you do get depressed, you get sad or whatever. If I do try to talk to those dudes, like uh, you know, they're 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 awesome dudes, but they're just like, hey man, it's all right, like you'll make it through. Versus my like I have buddies, man, that if something really, really happened, they would show up at my doorstep and say, All right, like, you know, I'm not going to attend your funeral. I'm going to die with you. Absolutely. Kind of thing, you know? And like relating that back to like that stress level for you is like, I think it's as much as you want to hold it in and you think you can handle it. Like all of us have that limit, no matter how tough you are. Sure. You got to share that stuff. Yeah. Cause that's only going to make you better. And it's going to make us as a team, whatever your team is, it's going to get much stronger because you share that information. Yeah. And I've been out for 20 years knowing that like, I know that philosophy. I know that rule. I've been through a lot of therapy and like a, a lot of relationships that have went good and bad and, and all that stuff. Like it's kind of worse when you know the answer, but you don't like when I was doing drugs, <clears throat> I know that this is wrecking my life. I know it's not good for me. I know it's bad for everybody. Right. I know all these things, but and okay, that, that might be a little different because that's like a chemical thing. But like, anyway, knowing, I know what the answer is. If I just go talk to that woman, we're going to, she'll help me through it. I know she will. That's what she does best is help me through my weird shit. But it's like knowing that uh, for some reason I don't like, but I'm comfortable with that pain for a little while or something weird. It's like I I have in order to, uh, it's like the rainy day and then you get to sunshine later or something, you know, but it's like, I got to get to the depths of hell and feel that all that shit once in a while. And it does happen way less frequently now. And like, I'm, I'm proud of that and very happy, especially for the people that have to be around me the most, you know, cause I'm, I'm probably not going to take that shit to work. If you and I are working a night shift, that's one thing because it's you and I, we can sit there and talk for 12 hours if we don't have a boat. But when the whole crew is there, it's like, I don't want to be the guy come in, <laughs> vomiting all this fucking negativity because there's nothing worse, you know, but um, yeah, I, I think something about the guys when I call them and talk to them or they'll call and just know, you know how you know when yeah. your buddy is just not a hundred, you're like, whoa, what's going on, man? Nothing like that. That answer's not going <laughs> to fly with me. So I'm either on my way or let's start. Let's go now. Let's start talking. It's like they, um, they still hold you accountable and you still hold them as accountable for your feelings, actions, emotions, all that stuff. And a, they're not going to let you slide, like just get out of it, you know? So we're going to hash this thing out. And if we got to beat the fuck out of each other, let's do that too. But we're going to be okay in the end. And so for some reason, dude, the, the couple guys that can really get it out of me, they don't even have to try that hard. And I just start and they just sit back and listen and go, you done? It's crazy. Yeah. How it just, yeah. 
and I've, I know I've said this on here before. You can't expect that from people that haven't experienced that. So it's tough calling your buddies. That, I've known you since 12 years old, but you, I don't know you like that. You know, you know, it's such a, yeah, I don't know how to put it into words either. It's a, there are some dudes that like, I would not hang out with in the civilian. Like I wouldn't have met them and be like, Oh, this is a cool dude. He's my buddy. Like, and I, I have friends like that, but somehow it, they, if they just know something's going on, they'll just call me like rant. Hey, I saw or heard or whatever. And I haven't talked to you in six months, you know? And for some reason that dude knew, but nobody else did. And I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a very weird, um, odd feeling. I think it's pretty rare, Yeah, but I feel incredibly lucky to have felt it and continue to feel that. For sure. For sure. Uh, yeah. And with Alicia, it's like, I think there's that vulnerability that you don't want to, even still after all these years and her going through all my addiction and staying with me and like helping me, she saved my fucking life. You know, like she means the world to me. She's everything. And without her, I'm not lost and I'll still survive, but it's like, I, she's my fucking right arm, you know, she's, and so it seems ridiculous to her that I feel vulnerable and don't want to show that side. But and it's like, why can't you just let that go, dude? You know, you're married <laughs> to this person. You share a life with her. Let it be. But I can talk to you, Gomez, Terry. I can talk to all these dudes and it, you just spit it out. But it's a really strange thing to understand. And it's tough for them to understand us even more, you know, and she's done more reading on all of my shit than I ever have. I don't want to know all the shit she knows. You know, it's scary. Yeah, right. Cause she just knows. And I'm like, Oh God, you know, sometimes I like to think about it as a, uh, like to remind myself I'm a man. I need that kick in the balls. Right. Like it's gotta suck. Absolutely. And then when I feel it, I'm like, Oh, right. Right. Okay. It, yeah. It does suck. This, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't like this suck. Yeah. What, uh, what did you do in the army? What was your job? I know this, but we're going to paint a picture for the audience. Of course. Yep. So when I first enlisted, uh, I was a psychological operations specialist. So I, I joined in the Army Reserve. I was 17, needed a parent signature. My parents were like, hey, why don't you go reserve? Because recruiters were like, hey, man, if you go reserve and don't like it, you can go active duty. So great. Went uh, went reserve, psychological operations, PSYOP. Uh, did not. I joined the Army to like go do something. Yeah. Right. Uh, so when I got to my unit, no hate on those dudes, but I was like, this is not where I I want to be, right? Let, let me ask you, I'm sorry. Sure. Let me ask you real quick. What would the job of a PSYOP person, I know there's probably females too, what would the job of a PSYOPs person be on a date? Like, what do you do? So, uh, active duty side, I'm not really sure. I never experienced that. I got you. Um, but the role of PSYOP in the military is, uh, I'm going to botch this, but... Uh, essentially change, persuade, and influence uh, like the action behavior, the thoughts, the the way they think um, of like a foreign target audience. So yeah. uh, a pretty simple example is um, I had a friend deployed to uh, Africa, I think two years ago. Um, they were after this warlord, mm -hmm. right? And he wouldn't turn himself in, ran to the jungle, hiding the whole nine. Well, telling him, hey, come out. That wasn't working, 
right? He obviously ran and hid from us for a reason. So what they did is they, uh, they, I don't know if they recorded her or somehow generated a, like a, like a phrase, right? An audio. Yeah. Uh, and it basically was his mom's voice Ooh. and it was his mom's voice explaining like, Hey, I know you did this. That was wrong and blah, blah, blah. But you know, the right thing you got to turn yourself in. I raised you better than this. Right. Whatever. Ooh. Right. Hit the ego. Fuck. Don't get mom. Involved. And I think, I think within like 48 hours of basically blasting this audio into the jungle, into the jungle, he turned himself in. Wow. So it had nothing. To, so the, point of Syop is like I'm not telling him to turn himself in we're gonna persuade this dude to turn himself in we changed the way he thinks mm-hmm. so he went from I'm not turning myself in because of XYZ now I'm going to turn myself in because of XYZ so persuade change and then influenced his decision yeah uh, it, it wasn't his yeah but we didn't go say hey man you need to do it yeah that's basic Syop I have um I, a couple times been around PSYOP and that's what they were basically doing was telling the civilians in Iraq on these huge speakers mounted this Humvee yeah. that, you know, we're here to give you your democracy and your freedom and Saddam does not want what's best for you and all this other stuff. So I, I have a little bit of experience with just hearing like, what the fuck are they talking? Because it was Arabic, of course. And I'm like, what right. are they saying? And our translator would tell us and or like little paper, yeah, little well, pamphlet deals. I don't know if you ever saw those drop. They're called leaflets. They drop from planes. Yeah, it's like a little uh, paper. Well, it has some writing on it. Usually, we saw a lot more of the Iraqi. Uh, oh, okay. What's it? It's not like called prop- paraphernalia. Propaganda. propaganda. Yeah, we yep. saw a lot more of theirs, and it was like Americans with pitchforks and babies, right. like on the. But see, that's psyop because absolutely, I don't know what their letter said, but. Even just an image of an American with a pitchfork, you didn't tell them this is what they're doing, right? So I didn't directly say, hey, Americans are doing this. Or I didn't, like, show you, or, or, or um, like, there, it wasn't direct. I didn't make you change the way you think because of what I said to you. Mm-hmm. I just showed you. Mm-hmm. Or uh, I explained it in a different way. Because there's different types of psyop. They have uh, black, white, and gray. White would be, like, a very direct message um and you know the source of the information mm-hmm. so it would be u.s army i'm telling you this it's informational basically uh, a gray would be like um, a fairly clear message with an unknown source so you're getting information it's probably truthful uh to some degree obviously but uh you're not sure who's giving you that info and you have like black psyop black psyop could be like um the source would be your mom telling you to come out of the jungle, right? Made to look like somebody else. Right. And the information that's being said has some, I mean, I don't know the exact, it means something to you. It means something to you and it's gonna, and it it may not be truthful. Right. Like his mom, I don't know if his mom actually said that message. I don't know all the information about that. It uh, worked. So it doesn't matter. Right. You know, but that's kind of, yeah. So you can kind of play with that. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, but then, uh, yeah. So, so I wasn't in Sia for very long. So I, uh, you know, some of the things I said could be a little, little off. No, no I, I think you covered like the for best someone that I who can wouldn't do. know. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I was, in, I was, I did that for, well, my first drill. I showed up and, and immediately. So drill is your weekend. So as a reservist, you, you uh, basically 
go do army stuff. You you show up in your uniform and into your unit for uh, one week in a month, and then somewhere during the year they call AT annual training. So you show up and you attend a I think it's a minimum of a two week training right. cycle. That could be you go to another uh, state to like shoot guns and qualify or something. Like yeah, some sort of training. Yeah. Um. So I showed up to my first drill. So that first weekend, immediately recognized like this is not this. I wanted to deploy. That what was, was that indicator? Just not to not enough like action. The type of people. Everything. Uh, yeah, I showed up and I, I kind of asked around like, "Hey, man, like, when are we gonna deploy? Or, or how do you guys?" And like, everybody that was there that had deployed, that had some sort of cool deployment. Um, oh, hey, man, when, when did you deploy? Oh, well, this was my other unit when I was an infantryman mm. or, or whatever, and yeah. now I'm here. So then it kind of hit me like, okay, I'm an 18-year-old dude at this point. What year was this? Sorry. Uh, so November of 2016 is when I enlisted. So I was a senior in high school, 17. I didn't leave to go to basic training till July uh, 19th, I believe it was. of Correction. Uh, November of 2015, I enlisted. So I raised my right hand, said... I joined, and then July 19th of 2016, I left for basic training, went through basic training, and then I went through my job training, which in the mm -hmm. Army, we call AIT, Advanced mm -hmm. Individual Training. Uh, show up to my unit for the first drill, I believe it was January or February of 2017. So both the wars had been going on for a long time at this point. Right. Which uh, obviously influenced your decision. Well, to be a I little mean, bit. I was so nice. I don't have anybody in my family who's military, didn't have any friends. Uh, I just, I, I knew that obviously the war was going on, but I knew, I, I did not know what was happening in 2016. Very right. naive, no idea. Yeah. I just knew that I wanted to deploy. It was kind of the, the whole thing. So I wouldn't experience that. What was that like? So yeah, I showed up to the drill and, and they were just like, hey man, we're not going to deploy for eight, 10 years. Whatever. And I was like, oh, whoa, whoa, I'm not doing this for eight years right but like until no, no shot yeah yeah so uh immediately dropped a packet to go active duty now little did i know um it's incredibly difficult to get that packet approved uh i got i don't know what the number is but let's just say one in a thousand guys that submit this packet it gets approved you would think that would be the opposite though right, right. just having numbers up but I guess the, reservists are important, obviously to have numbers it, yeah but the i think the issue that i more ran into was so to be a, a PSYOP uh, guy, you have to test whatever it is on the ASVAB. So like the Army's entry level. Yeah. Your, 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 your test to yeah. uh, place you, basically. Right. Like, what do you qualify for? Yeah. So not tons of people can qualify for that. I don't. So if they're if the Army's under strength, meaning they have less numbers than they need, right. and you're asking to leave that to go to another job, they might go, hey, no, you, uh, we, we can't afford that, yeah, right? Sure. You've already said yes to this, so sure. we don't want to give you permission, right? Um, I'm not really sure how mine worked. Uh, I was very, I had to write like a letter on why I wanted the, this to be approved to go active duty. Um, and I was super honest. Uh, I, it was supposed to be a pretty like formal letter. Uh, and I just took a different approach. I just said like, I want to go fight. You can't. You can't make that happen here. I'm an 18 year old dude. I'm in the best shape of my life at the time. Yeah. Um, I have nothing attached to me. I can leave. I can deploy. I can get hurt. I can whatever. I can all those things. I'm able to deal with because nothing. Nobody's relying on me at this right. point in my life. Uh, and then mm. I also 
included that uh, in in a reserve unit. Uh, reserve unit there's a lot of folks that um we always like to kind of compare it to halloween it's like you show up and you're playing army for the weekend mm-hmm. uh that i don't think wanted what i wanted they mm-hmm. didn't have the same goal so i knew that in a very short amount of time i would uh, become that because that's my surroundings right um you know if i want to be big in the gym i just got to work out with big guys you know so sure uh I didn't want that. So I wrote in the letter, like, I don't want to end up like the rest of your soldiers yeah. is basically what I included. Use me for more. Right. I'm giving it to you. So I got approved. Um, and then that was, that took about a year or a little over a year. So March of 2018, I submitted my paperwork around February, 2017, March of 18, it was approved May of 18. So I think I was 19 now. Um, I was allowed to go active duty. So you go through the whole process, you go back to MEPS, you pick a new job. Now, since I was already in on prior service at this point, I had to pick from like eight ML, eight uh, jobs in yeah. the Army yeah. that were under strength. So <clears throat> I got really lucky that uh, I wanted to be combat arms. I wanted to go infantry right off the rip, just like everybody does, right? And then haha, you, you say no when it gets hard. They wanted me to go back to basic training. Didn't want to do that. I had already done it like a year and a half before. So the other option was a Ford Observer, which I also knew was a cool job. I had a mm-hmm. couple buddies that were in, so sign me up. Um, so May, somewhere in May of 18, I left and went to Oklahoma, uh, where I did my AIT to be a fister. And then I went to jump school uh, August, I think, of 18 or something like that, July-August time frame. And then showed up to Fort Bragg, 82nd Airborne, in October of 2018. Will you explain what a fister is? What's What does fister mean? So a fister is a slang term, really. Uh, the actual job is, nowadays, if you try to like Google it, you're going to have to type in Joint Forward Observer, so J-F-O. It used to be Forward Observer. Uh, the joint just means you can now work with other elements besides just Army mm-hmm. equipment, basically. Um, so a, a Forward Observer, uh, I think the definition is like to... Um, to like request, oh, I can't remember. It. But um, basically, you're able to request and control army artillery uh, and rotary wing, uh, rotary wing aircraft, okay. and then um, provide autonomous TGO. They call it uh, to fixed wing, which would be like because uh, the army doesn't own any fixed wing aircraft. We have all uh, rotary wing, so I can provide targeting information um like the location how far away something is what it is that kind of thing i can uh provide that information to an air force element that he can relay that to an aircraft to like do an airstrike or something like that i don't do this often but i google sure. it. an yeah, artillery folks. observer artillery spotter or forward observer is a soldier responsible for directing artillery artillery and mortar fire support onto a target an artillery observer usually accompanies a tank or infantry unit. Spotters ensure that indirect fire hits targets, which those at a fire support base cannot see. You're right. That, that sound about... It, it's probably the new updated definition. The one I had right. to memorize was a little bit different, but yeah, yeah. basically the same thing. Yeah. Gotcha. So that's essentially what you do. Um, so if, if I am artillery and I am back here in a safer position... You go over to that mountaintop and give me coordinates for a target that I cannot see. Correct. Yep. So we'll 
go ahead typically with a small unit, a small group of dudes go ahead. Uh, and like you said, I might go two hills over and I can look down in a valley, see targets, and then I get on a radio and I will let you know where, what it is, where it's at. Um, what to fire. Right. What to fire. Yeah, you can request all that good stuff. And then uh, as you fire, let's say you fire and you miss. Um, you missed either because, uh, you know, you could have put the wrong data in, but typically it's because my data isn't perfect. Right. A lot of this time, you know, we're not, we're not like in a, I don't have a desk in front of me and a freaking chair to hang out in no. and take a, take a while to create this information. A lot of times it's, I drop my, I drop a pin on a map. I think that's where it's at. You shoot, I'm close. Right. Right. Um, and then you will walk that in. So if it's too, if your round landed too far away, then I would bring it closer, right? Sure. Shorten the distance, uh, vice versa or left and right. And then once you, once your round either hits a target or is extremely close within like 50 meters, and you would call for like a fire for effect. Sure. And that would be a bunch of rounds. It's going to Right. Yeah. So it could be, you know, you could shoot 10 rounds in a fire for effect versus that adjusting round we would right. call it. That initial round would be <clears throat> one at a time until yeah. we get on target, and then we hammer down. Yep. So. Uh, any. Yeah. Did you get to call any big things on any big targets that you can talk about? Uh, yeah. I, I called in a ton of um, ton of ordnance. When, when I deployed, we didn't. We had. Uh, a couple of mortars. We did not have any artillery. We had high Mars, which is like a big, uh, it's like a big missile that goes on the back of a big truck. Okay. Um, You've seen it in movies, probably. Probably. If you ever see, it's like a truck with this big box on the back, and right. the box elevates. And this rocket shoots out, yeah. or missile, whatever they consider it. Uh, yeah. So that's a high Mar, and then uh, uh, we had plenty of aircraft. So, um. We like blew up caves and stuff like that. Close entrances to caves. Yeah. Uh, I deployed to Syria, so you're kind of on the border of Syria, Iraq. Uh, so you kind of play with that a little bit. You know, the only person I've ever talked to uh, has been to Syria. Really? No, I, I don't. I, I've never met anyone that's been to Syria. Yeah, it's I spent all my time there. Well, I was in Jordan, I guess, for a couple hours right. here and there. But uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, a bunch of a bunch of cool stuff like that. I mean. I don't know how many pounds of ordnance. I mean, it's got to be a pretty good amount. We sure. we dropped four or five times a week. Really? I mean, we were constant. Whether it was training or on a target, doesn't yeah. really matter. Constantly dropping. Really? I mean, every time I left a wire, and so I was there for eight months uh, or eight and a half because COVID, we had to like quarantine. Yeah. So you're like nine month deployment was shortened just a little bit because you had to have quarantine on both ends, but. Uh, I think I was on, I forget the exact number, a little over a hundred missions Wow! in what? 270 days, roughly 250 days, a little over a hundred. So almost, almost every other day. Wow. Uh, I was out. So, um, yeah. And then every time we went out, we had aircraft on, almost every time we went out, we had aircraft on station. Uh, And if we didn't have aircraft, we had a high Mar. So yeah, just, uh, sometimes shoot mortars just to shoot them or, if you know there were people around, sometimes you shoot stuff to kind of like remind them, hey, look at our, you see me out here rolling around and you think I'm vulnerable. Let me j- show a force. Show a force. Yeah, let Absolutely. me show you what we have available. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, all sorts of. Aircraft is stuff. the best. Right. <laughs> it's like hearing your children cry for the first time is something you don't forget. And then aircraft coming in when you need them is something you just don't forget. It's just beautiful. It's the. Yeah. 
fucking it's a we're the, gonna be fine boys right yeah it's one of the best feelings ever to be the dude on the to be the dude on the ground when somebody's like hey man do we have air and you're like oh yeah watch this <laughs> yeah, i got you guys don't worry about this what kind of aircraft like did you have mo- like was there a mostly i if i can remember correctly we had uh, a mix usually but f-15s f-16s i think were pretty common we had fa-18 which is a uh, marine corps or a navy right uh aircraft i don't know really where they came from but uh, we had those guys uh we had far away yeah right <laughs> <laughs> far away and fast uh we had those guys we had an ac-130 oh uh, so everybody might know ac-130 their call sign is spooky right from like video games ours was creeper it was a chick pilot pretty cool uh fucking a yeah she was good or i mean she she was hitting stuff good so. right yeah that was or cool get, getting them to a point where they could right fire effectively and the yeah crazy thing is uh they fly i think uh a thousand twelve hundred feet when they're doing stuff like they're shooting and you can't see them uh i, I couldn't i had night vision on looking up you can hear them but uh i i yeah, I didn't see him. Did you ever, you ever fly on a C C one thirty? I've jumped out a ton of them. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's where yep. you guys so jumped out of. C one thirty and C seventeen. C seventeen just a big C one thirty. Yeah. Well, it's I think it has like jet engines different, or whatever, not prop. But. Different mechanical stuff. We uh yeah. When we were leaving Iraq, we flew back to Kuwait in one, and it like it looks big. Don't get me wrong. But when they drop that hatch in there, you're like, what the fuck? But the weirdest thing to me on a C-130, so you're, we didn't fly over there. I was uh, that right. invasion in 03. So we took a boat over there, took Helos into Kuwait, waited, invaded. Helos back to, um, I forgot what base that was. But was then, it in Kuwait, though? Yeah. Still in Kuwait? No, that was still in Iraq. And then we oh, took okay. the 130s back to Kuwait. I'm pretty sure that's the way that went. Yeah, because then because then we took a helo back out to the boat. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> You're used to commercial aircrafts where like yeah. you don't see anything but the overhead storage compartment, the windows, and it's like there's this skin over it. But in those, like, you could see all these mechanical things moving, and we're like stuffed in this thing, you know. And you can hear all this. I'm like, that doesn't sound right at all, you know. Or when you hit turbulence, it is a different animal. Dude, that <laughs> plane is so just like beautiful in the weirdest way it's like it's so i don't think this one was it had all the guns and shit right because we could be in there right ac-130s don't carry yeah like that i, it, mean, I guess i could maybe, it was but. for yeah it, yeah any fucking thing else in the armed forces they can put in the belly of that thing but this one wasn't you know running gun shows so uh but yeah, it was. I remember being on that thing. I have a photo in front of the one, and it was like, I'm gonna remember. Like, this is important to be on this thing, you know. I have a photo of uh, when we were leaving Syria. So we our our landing strip was just a lake that would dry up, and so we would. That's how we would get people in. Uh, so I have a picture. It's at night. Um, of the ramp dropped. The interior lights on the aircraft are green. Uh. So the ramp is dropped and we're like all of our bags are sitting on the ramp because we couldn't put them inside the plane. There were too many people. So we had to put our bags on the ramp. So as the ramp would close, it would like compact everything wow. together. Yeah. But I had that photo of just like that last step. Yeah. You know, I'm out of here yeah, yeah. kind of deal. Uh, but yeah, same thing. I mean, um, and, and, and for anybody who's listening, an AC-130 uh, 
the only difference between an AC-130 and a C-130, a C-130 is a cargo aircraft. Uh, so it's nomenclature, it's number, whatever. It's, it's a 130 for, I don't know what reason. I don't know that either. It, it carries, right? So it can carry equipment, people, uh, vehicles, stuff like that. An AC-130, all they do is they take the exact same aircraft and they put guns in it. Stuff it with awesome munitions. Right, and it can shoot, uh, I believe, a 105 artillery cannon sticks out one side of it. Dude. And then they have like a 20, I mean, there's a couple variants. It's but just death from above. It's crazy. That's all there is to it. It's nuts. You said you had a photo of leaving. I, yeah. And I do have that photo uh, right when we were getting out of there, too, so that one was cool, but... The first, and this is weird too, just generation wise. You cell phone? Oh yeah, yeah. I we were disposable <laughs> cameras, and so the first time I touched the deck in Iraq, um, that was when Saddam had lit all the oil refineries and shit just to black out the skies so air support couldn't see as well and all that. But I remember thinking like, I don't know if this is a great time to stop what I'm doing and pull out. We weren't taking fire or anything, so it was like okay. But I don't know when that's gonna happen. Sure. And I'm like reaching in my pocket. We were uh, we were Mop Four when we crossed. We had to be your chemical suit. Yeah, right. We, we yeah. were told like it was coming. So like I, but I remember I was like, this fucking camera's going in that car, <laughs> you know. So like I remember like winding it up, you know, and taking a photo. And my team leader was like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, we're gonna remember this someday, you know. Hell yeah. But yeah, it was interesting to have that entry and exit kind of photo. Uh, they're somewhere down here somewhere. It might be at the museum. I don't know. I gave them most of my stuff, but yeah. Um, you told me. Do you want to go further with anything? Do you? I was gonna I'm, jump into a story, but yeah, well, I'm game for. Um, you have told me your accidental <laughs> knee onto uh, some ordinance. Let's, if you don't mind. Let's yeah, tell sure. Uh, all right. So we'll just kind of start paint the, top. the whole yeah. picture. Yeah. So I, I, um, I'm arrived. gonna turn my mic off and sit back. All right. <laughs> you got. So it. I arrived to Syria. In uh, late June 2020. Yeah. Uh, so we were there for a little while. Um, and then we pretty much started running missions like immediately when we hit the ground. Uh, so we were doing a bunch of stuff. And then uh, we went out on a mission. It was uh, September 9th, 2020. Why would you and remember that date? Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Three days prior. That's what I remember. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we went out September 9th, 2020. And uh, I was driving a vehicle and my gunner. Um, so for everybody listening, when you're a gunner, you have your big machine gun attached up top with you in the, in the mount, right? So you can shoot a machine gun, your personal weapon, which would be like your M16 or your mm -hmm. M4, whatever that gets stashed down in the truck. Usually, uh, unless you have, I guess, some sort of way to attach it in your turret turret, yeah. but either way it's with you. So as a gunner, you don't leave the vehicle. If you guys like stop somewhere and you and, and somebody has to get out, that's not you. Mm -hmm. You stay on the truck. So, as a driver, I would stay with the truck and I would stay with him. Um, long story short, we came back from that mission, and a item. It's called a PEC fifteen. It is an it's a night vision laser, mm -hmm. basically, uh, was missing from his rifle, and everybody was freaking out. Like you know, it's it's. Everybody's freaking out because like, well, how did you lose blah, blah, blah? Like, what happened? Well, we know the weapon didn't leave the vehicle. Mm -hmm. I was in it. So was he. He didn't even use it, right? Mm -hmm. It was stashed behind, like next to a seat. So we don't really know. Uh, we have no idea. Um, so that happens. They're like, hey, you're going to go back out tomorrow, the exact same route, and you're going to go find it. Mm -hmm. And for anybody listening, we're talking like go drive 
for like eight or ten hours in the middle of a desert. So completely flat, wide open. In Syria. In Syria, right. Friendly uh, place. Yeah, yeah. Looking for an item that's like the size of like an old Game Boy. Your phone. Maybe. Yeah, right. And let me let me jump in real quick. Accountability, if you're a civilian, it, just get a new one. You're the United States Army. Just it's go a, buy a new one. Accountability for every single thing that you are issued, Marine Corps, Army, Air Force, Navy, accountability for all of your gear. You signed out for it. We have got to find it. Mags, maybe. You might yeah, be yeah, able yeah. to dump a mag somewhere and nobody's, we got another one of those, but like there's not a serial number on that. Accountability is so massive. I say that because it makes sense to this story. So just keep in mind that you can't just lose something and go, oh, we'll get a new one tomorrow. Right. So, and then also, too, if you lose something, your boss and his boss and all the way up the chain has to report to somebody on why is it gone. Right. So they're asking me why. I don't know why. So what Next. are they going to tell? Yeah. Right. And then as it goes up higher, you're talking to some 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 top dogs here. And yeah. They don't like I don't know. No. Right. So so like, hey, you're going to go back out tomorrow and go find it. Obviously, all of us have extreme doubts. It doesn't have an air tag on it or something, you know, like you got to see it. And what's the problem with going the same route twice? Um the, the, the problem with going the same route two times in a row is people learn habits. Sure. And when you're in a place where people don't want you alive mm -hmm. and they now know exactly where you're going to be, uh, it's a problem because mm -hmm. you don't know where they're going to be and they do know where you're going to be. And that's probably not a good While idea. While you were sleeping, they were right charting things out and going, well, if they went that way yesterday or two days ago and they went this way, that, 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 that. And if they don't know I'm going to come back tomorrow, they might think, hey, in two months, he'll be here. No problem. At some point. We'll set something, a booby trap up for At him. some point. Yeah. It's like a mouse trap. You know the mouse will be back. May not be in an hour, may not be tomorrow, yeah. but he'll be here. Yeah. So, yeah, same deal. So we uh, go back out the same route the next day looking for this freaking thing. Uh, obviously, we don't find it. We all kind of knew this. Um, and there's no roads out there, right? This is just like genuine open desert it's not like a loose sand like you see in photos it's more like a rocky kind of sort sure. of deal but uh so yeah take that route come back still not there and then we kind of thought that was the end of it the next day so september 11th we're at now uh i was like abruptly woken up hey man 10 minutes get on the truck uh we're heading back out we they want to find it all right man uh first off for anybody listening you shouldn't most won't run missions on september 11th it doesn't matter what the year is it's just not a great day historically yeah. yeah right so that's kind of like uh thing number one you don't unless you have to run a mission you just don't um and then two we've already went on the same route two days in a row so now they're asking a third day and if that's, you didn't get knocked out from the first two right hooks, yeah. a third one is a bad deal right every time you duck left you get it's smashed coming again. and yeah. you keep ducking left. Yeah. It's not going to work out. Telegraphing your next move to the worst degree. Right. So, okay. I mean, sure. I you mean, can't we'll really do argue. It. Yeah. This is my job, man. So we load up. Uh, today was a little different though. We, you know, we loaded up and the chaplain, uh, which is like your religious figure mm -hmm. uh, for lots of religions usually, but mm -hmm. he comes over and he even, even he kind of like said a prayer and was just like, Hey, I uh, hope everything's good today. And we all kind of knew, I mean, the date, the third day in a row, it just, you just add all the odds against you. Sure. So there was that, even the Air Force. Like, I'm not like, feeling good today. I think yeah. I'm going to sit this one out. <laughs> right? Even the Air Force, he was like, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, and I'm, 
still friends with this guy. Like, there's no no hate on anybody. But even he was like, I'm not sending one of my... So Air Force would be a, a JTAC, which would be a Ford Observer, but in the Air Force. So yeah. he would be like my liaison to receive air support. Okay. And he's like, I'm not sending one of my guys because I know the risk. So it was like, all right, we're just us infantrymen, uh, me as a fister and one medic. Yeah. Hey, sir... He's got a good point. Can we <laughs> can we all have another powwow real quick? Right. So uh, they're like, all right, go look for this thing. It's like, cool, man. So we we uh, head out and um, yeah, we're we're doing a little rounds and and checking stuff. And uh, so I was the second vehicle in the convoy. Um, why is that important? Because in a convoy, you're supposed to drive in the tracks of the vehicle that's in front of you mm-hmm. uh, to limit. Like it's like stepping in the footstep of the person in front of you. Uh, when when it's when it's really really rocky, there's not a trail really. You're just kind of crawling over this stuff. Uh, so I did, and also your vehicles are separated by about seventy five a hundred meters, so like yeah. a football field. Yeah. So it it it's not perfect, uh, to say the least. So I I obviously did my best, but um, <laughs> I, I didn't do good enough, I guess. Right. So war isn't perfect. Right. So I I was a little off track, whatever. So my vehicle drove over a landmine. It was a anti tank line. I believe it the 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 mine is called a TM fifty seven or something like that. It's a Russian anti tank mine. Mm-hmm. So we drove over that. Uh, I was driving, hit the front left wheel, so pretty much like right underneath me. Um, we hit that. I woke up. This is like my first time. Anybody in the convoy, I from my understanding, uh, first time getting like blown up in a convoy. So, uh, I I had no idea like what even happened really. I was just driving and I woke up. It's a lot. Right. So, I, yeah, I just kind of no clue. And it was like, oh, what the, what, the, you know, what happened? So, the front of the truck, uh, basically, like from my feet forward, kind of disappeared on my side. Um, yeah. So, it, it popped. And I was like, all right. And then there was like a fire in there. So, I kind of like woke up. It was smoky inside. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. I need to get out of this thing. Right. So, yeah. Uh, I go to open my door. It doesn't, it, do, so I was using my, my, uh, right hand to like reach over to open the door and it just wasn't opening. And I'm like, what the, you know, what, what's going on? So I'm kind of hitting it with my shoulder and boom, door swings. When my door swings open, uh, the, my door is like on the ground. So I was like, Oh, we're not Jack. We're not four foot up or whatever. We're in the ground. So I get out and it kind of, at this point, it's starting to, uh, what, hold on. Was this the crater that was made kind of by the mine slash your whole front of your truck is gone. gone? Okay. So basically the bottom of the truck You're is sitting, sitting on, on the dirt. The gr- okay. Yeah. So uh, that was kind of an indicator sort of. But yeah, as I'm getting out, I guess I remember just being like super angry, uh, which sounds crazy. But we had a speaker in the truck we were playing music off of. I woke up to uh, inside the trucks. They have like a beeping noise. It's like a fire alarm beep, mm-hmm. but it's every couple seconds that beeps. And uh, I remember waking up to hearing that and like, just hurting my ears. And I remember this speaker that somehow landed on my lap. And I was so angry that it was playing music. I don't even, I, I can't explain why. Do I just know, took Do you it. remember what it was playing by chance? I know exactly what it was really? playing. Really? What was it? I don't know the name of the song, but I could like, I, I have it downloaded. I really? can show you 100%. Wow. I didn't remember the song till somebody reminded me of it and then played it. And I actually remember the exact line wow. before the explosion. Because I remember... Yeah, uh, I can't remember this song, though, but uh, I remember the line, and I remember hearing it and going like, because I don't listen to the type of music we were listening to. Yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. my buddy's playlist. And I was like, what does that mean? So I was like pondering what this line means. That's all I remember. Wow. And I remember waking up to just hearing music. 
and I was pissed. So I smash it on the windshield and kind of looking around the truck and everybody's just like slumped over. So I was like, oh, like what? I thought I wrecked, honestly. I thought I got a car wrecked, basically. I I don't know what I hit. It's the desert, but that's what initially went through my mind. I'm like, damn, dude, everybody's gone. And then uh, my the dude that's sitting next to me is like the front passenger seat. I'm like yelling his name and he kind of like wakes up. I'm like, okay, cool. We got two of us, right? So then I get out, he gets out. We run to the back doors, start opening up, and the, and everybody starts waking up, start pulling dudes out. My gunner uh, hit his face on the 50 cal, which mm. is a big machine gun. Mm. So he split his face. Uh, so I'm kind of like pulling him out, and then at this point, I think I'm totally okay, right? I don't, I, I don't, I didn't feel any pain. There's like I'm not bleeding. There's no issues. So we, the medical truck, would be on the driver's side. They pulled up on the driver's side which would be considered the clean side. So the clean side is the side away from the potential potential enemy, right? Like if I was going to attack you, I would attack from whatever side. The medical truck shows up on the opposite side of that, yeah. which would have been the driver. So when I say medical truck, it just had the medic in it and sure. it had enough room. Sure. It's not an actual like Doesn't ambulance. the trunk to that kind of open up to where if one had two, they could put a gurney? Or, or, right, it has uh, a drop ramp type deal on it. A litter. They could yep, put that yeah, litter. Yeah. Right, okay, gotcha. Yep. So so uh medical truck pulls up on my left, so driver's side, and then another gun truck, just a, a regular truck with a machine gun, pulls up on our right hand side, we, which we would call the dirty side, the, the side closest to the enemy. Yeah. The reason you do this is so that you create a barrier to work. So you can get out of the vehicle, you can dismount. Now you have basically uh bulletproof, you know, you, you have bulletproof you walls. Yeah. On your left and right, so you can walk between vehicles, you can move around, get and you're relatively safe. Right. So we get out. I start uh, running dudes over to the medical truck, kind of putting them into there. Um, and uh, then we were like, okay, we need to start getting equipment out, right? So we start pulling out equipment uh, to throw into the medical truck, like sensitive information sure. that you don't want the enemy to get a hold sure. of. Or weapons and stuff. So Was, it, was it PEC-15 there somewhere? Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> we can kind of wrap that up towards the end and yeah, uh, where we think yeah it ended up right. So, um, well, it was found, but so uh, yeah, so we're running stuff over, and uh, I just told my medic, I'm like, hey, I'm good, man. I'm gonna like, we got other stuff to do. Yeah, I'm gonna go handle that. The dudes that are obviously wounded or like my buddy was just totally out of place, like just had no idea what was going on. I bet. He even like asked somebody, he's like, did we just hit an IED? And like asked where his phone was, like the weirdest stuff ever. Hmm. Didn't even have his weapon, just like so, wow, just like gone, like just out of it, right? Uh, he hit his head pretty good, but yeah. So we get everybody into the uh, medical vehicle, and then I run back to the truck. Now the truck's on fire, so the guy that was in the passenger seat, he's like, "Hey, man," uh, or somebody yelled, "Truck's on fire, get away from it!" And I'm like, "Well, I don't want it to blow up, and we're pretty close to it, so I'm gonna put it out, right?" So me and him are like, "Okay, where's the fire extinguisher?" And and for anybody listening. If you ever had a concussion or, uh, or like Been you're knocked just out, yeah, knocked out. Like you have to think really hard about simple tasks. Sure. Um, it, 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 it's almost like if you want to pick something up, you have to tell your hand to grab it. Yeah. Kind of deal. This is how we pick up. Yeah. I knew where the fire extinguishers were. I know they're in the truck. They're actually right in my left knee. Yeah. Uh, but they said, Oh, it's on fire. So I have to stop and go, okay, it's on fire. What do we do on fire? We put it out. Okay. What do we put it out with? Fire extinguisher. Okay. Where's it? Kind of go through the yeah, steps yeah, yeah. almost. So okay, great. Fire, grab a fire extinguisher. Boom, put it out. Um, then what I do is I run to the dirty side. So I run over to the other gun truck because 
I hear somebody yell, there's people moving up to our position on that side. So I sprint over there and I take a knee. So I'm at the back of the vehicle, uh, left shoulder kind of shoved up against the tire to use it for some sort of like protection. So I'm kind of shoved up against that rifle on the tire, look through the scope and I see a couple of guys. I'm like, all right. So I'm sitting there looking at them. And again, I'm not sure I'm actually seeing people. I'm, this is my first time like really dialing it in and like seeing somebody. A person. Yeah. Right. right. So I'm like, whoa, is this, I just got blown up. Cause at this point I know I got blown up. So I'm like, am I crazy? Right. What's going on? I'm looking at the scope. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I, I, I genuinely think that's a, somebody. So then I yelped to my gunner. I'm like, hey man, or the gunner in that gun truck. Hey man, do you see these people? He's looking in another direction, which he was looking the way he was supposed to. Be Rightfully looking. so. Right. I right. And he's like, I don't see. That. I'm like, all right, whatever. So I look to my right and my buddy, uh, was at the back of that medical vehicle. So he's probably 40 yards away, something like that. Hey, hey man, do you, do you see that? Is that, is that a person? He's like, I was just about to ask you. I thought I was crazy. Okay. So this is real. It means either both of us are yeah. fucked up or we're right. <laughs> right. So, all right, great. So I get back on the gun, uh, kind of like pulling up slack and a trigger. Somebody yells a hey, shoulder. Don't move. I'm like, and I'm kind of frustrated. I'm like, what, dude? I'm like, this is the moment, right? And I'm like, what? What do you need? And he's like, look down. So I look down, and at this, I took a knee, I took, I took a knee to, to like kind of brace up against that tire. Well, I look down, and I'm kneeling on another mine. So at this point, and, and for anybody listening, when, I'm, when an explosion goes off, there's a shock wave. So that shock wave blew the sand off, the dust off mm-hmm. a couple mines that were in the area. Mm. So that's why I could see the one I was on. I could see about half of it. So you're kneeling on a thing that just blew the whole right. front driver's side of your truck up, slashed through all you guys around in the truck, slashed a hole in the earth and all this other pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Like not a joke anymore no. kind of deal. So I was kneeling on it and I was like, okay, all right. Um, and at that point, uh, I, a lot of people will say like it's a scary thing or people say, like, oh, I couldn't do it. Well, what I'll tell you is you don't you have an option anymore. And so like the can or can't doesn't even cross your mind. It's just like this is what I have to deal with. So and there is some weird clarity when you yeah. and not just in a war, but like in any weird situation, you see something crazy happening. There's a weird slow down understanding and very clear thoughts about what this thing is as crazy as it may seem. There's a weird clarity in it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, all, all I remember is I was just sitting there and I was like, okay, immediately I was like, I need to mark this. So nobody else steps on it. That was my immediate reaction. So I reached out and got a chem light. A chem light is a freaking glow stick. Yeah. It's just a fancy name. Yeah. I pulled out an IR an infrared, which is a, a glow stick that you can, the glow, you can only see the glow under night vision. So obviously I wasn't like all there, but I pulled this out, I crack it and I set it on it. Your fundamentals were correct though. Yeah. It was just the wrong one. Right. So I crack it, I set it down and then they yell back at me, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, I'm marking it. And they're like, How? you can't see it. And I'm like, why can't you see it? And he's like, look at dude. And I'm like, oh, kind of hits me. My bad. Take yeah. two. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, let me, what else do I got? My tool bag here. Right. So I reach and I pull out a VS 17 panel, which is a, it's a, it's a freaking piece of cloth. Basically on one side, it's orange. The other side, it's like a pink as a fister. What I would use to use that as is like if an aircraft flying overhead, I could flash that orange square and they could see me. This is me. Don't shoot here. Right. This is a friendly dude. Hey man, do you see my 
VS17 or whatever. Right, right. And there's a lot more functions to it. That's just I typically what I used it for. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, so, so I pull that out and uh, I lay that down. And I have a photo of me taking a knee with my rifle like slung to my side, me laying this orange piece of cloth down. Mm-hmm. Some uh, Another dude took it, actually. Wow. Yeah, so... Uh, hey, man, thank you <laughs> for the photo and shit, but like... <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he was actually Hey, show her cheese! Doing. Yeah, I didn't even see. Yeah, I got these photos like way later, but... Yeah, uh, okay. Yeah, so <laughs> he took this He took this picture pretty cool, though. Um, so I set that down, and then at this point, obviously, I need to get up, right? So is it going to go off? I'm not sure. Now, for everybody well, we we know that one just fucking did right. And anti tank, the, the thing about anti tank mines, so you have anti personnel and anti tank. Anti personnel mines, the pressure required to set them off is very minimal. Right, a goat could walk across it and blow up, and they do. Right, I mean that's a technique uh, people have used to clear routes. Absolutely, like, you know, push goats on a on a on a route to clear it. Absolutely, uh, anti tank mines require more pressure. I don't know the exact number. Um, tank pressure. That kind of pressure, weight wise. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, yeah, I'm not, but I, I know it's not a ton. I mean, like trucks blow them up. I've heard of people setting them off. Now, when you have your body weight plus gear, plus like, I mean, I drop to a knee. So, anybody who has a scale at home, jump on your scale. Watch the number jump, and then it comes back down to your actual weight. Right. Yeah. So, like, there's a force applied. I don't know, and and also anybody listening, uh, um. It's like a button. When you push in a button, you when you release the button is when the function happens. Mm, the so, pin, the right. However it works, I'm not entirely sure, but yeah. So when I'm kneeling on it, it may not go off. I'm holding the button down. When I get up, is when it decides to go off. Right. It's so, a closed circuit or open circuit. I forget. They can wire them both ways, I guess. But yeah, with with those um, pressure plated explosives, when you let off of that, I believe it. Correct. And the reason it, they do that is because some anti-tank mines, and I think you can take, like the ones that we hit, I think you can modify it. So like it can go both ways, but yeah, yeah. either the second you let off the button, it explodes, or you can put a delay on it. And the reason they would do a delay is so that if my vehicle front wheel, let's imagine it's three feet in front of where I sit. Mm-hmm. If my vehicle hits it going, I don't know, 20 miles an hour, well, let's say... Two seconds at 20 miles an hour is five feet or whatever. whatever. I don't know. Right. Well, you would hit the button and it would wait a second. And then as you cross over it, so now the main cabin where all the people are at is directly over top of this mine, then it will explode. And it's designed to penetrate armor first and then explode inside. Yeah. So it gets inside and then explodes everything inside where everybody's it's, at. It's over. Yeah. Right. Now, I don't know how, I mean, even the, the, explosive guy eod guys they were very conf- they don't really know how it didn't like they don't they that uh, so they had an isr uh they had a drone overhead when all this happened um and from my understanding uh from people that were watching it back at base they th- they just called up everybody dead there was five of us so hmm. five kia uh because i think just the way it looked or whatever it was just like okay that we just know they're done type of deal um, I don't know how exactly how accurate. Obviously, I wasn't there listening to this or watching it, but from my understanding, in in the base, like the headquarters, that was said. Like, hey, they're all dead. Wow. Uh, so, and then I guess they saw me like crawl out or whoever crawl out, and 
then started realizing nobody was right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, um, you're kneeling down on yeah, this thing, kneeling on the mine, got to get up. So I kind of told everybody, Hey man, just get behind something. I'm gonna get up. We'll just like, see what happens. Right. Uh, cause at this point, again, I don't really, I, I just didn't really care. Uh, the thought never crossed my mind. Like, okay, if I blow up, what's going to happen? It's just going to like, I'll be done. It's kind of what I, I guess I took it as like, sure. it just be lights out. You're done. Um, but I don't remember even thinking about it. I just remember being like, I don't want anybody else yeah. blown up here. So yeah, yeah tur- like Gunner, get down in the hatch. Uh, everybody else just, you know, get behind something. Stand by. I got up. It just didn't go off. Uh, Did you just get up? Yeah. I just, I mean, how, how tactical can you be when you're getting, you know what I mean? If well, it's going to go, it's going to go like real quick. Right. Like, I mean, either like, what am I going to do? There's no rocks. Like you watch a movie, people put a rock. I would like, I don't know if that works. I didn't try it. Yeah. The there, monuments men did that. There's nothing around, man. Yeah. Like it, it, it is what it is. Like yeah. we'll just see what happens. So yeah. it didn't go off. Um, and again, I don't know if it was cause I didn't weigh enough or it just it was a piece of shit Russian. Right. Fuck you. I mean, yeah, that happens all the time. So plenty of minds don't get set off for years and then all of a sudden they work one day like well, a lot of that stuff was cold war stuff too yeah right that, they that just don't RPG work that got shot at me was supposedly yeah. cold war and i'm fucking glad because it didn't go off yeah thank god whoever made it, it was a friday yeah 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 you know <laughs> so uh yeah i don't know um got up and it just didn't go didn't go off i was like all right that's cool so uh um yeah so at this point i get up i realize my mag so uh when i how i like hurt my arm is i hit my arm on my mag, a metal mag. Mm-hmm. So it drove in and that's what kind of messed everything up. But the mag was like bent, right? Wow. So even if I would have engaged this dude, I only had one round in the chamber and then it would have clicked oh, because no the spring was pinned. Sure, yeah. So there was no feed. Wow. Yeah, and I didn't find this out. I think it was at that moment I found out. Um, if I remember correctly. A lot of it's kind of like all the information's there the order is a little understandably yeah yes because i just remember later shaking my mag like shaking bullets out of my mag wow because yeah because that uh, it was that screen that feeder it, yeah it, that's all out now yeah wow. i have the mag in my house do you really yeah i wow. didn't find it but yeah it's in a, in a bag somewhere so so yeah i find that i'm like oh wow like i mean got lucky that i caught this right sure. so then we have to get off the x we call it. the x is where the explosion happened you need to move away from that um, so we have three total trucks at this point. You have the medical vehicle, the blown up vehicle, and then the other one on the dirty side, the gun truck. So, uh, hold on. Did those guys at least pay for their sins? Oh, uh, I don't know the good enough depth of everything. Good enough. Yeah. Uh, we got to get off the X. Yeah. So, so I hop into that gun truck that I was leaning on. Yeah. Um, they're like, hey, you have room in here? Cool, man, hop in. So we're driving off the X, and I'm, like, pinned to the window, man. Just, like, peeking, you know. And uh, uh, the there's a dude there. Uh, I can't think of his freaking name. Uh, Ng. Ng. He was 18, uh, uh, a saw gunner. And the whole time we're riding, apparently, uh, he's sitting there pinching my right arm, pinching it. And, obvi- and I, have, I, don't, I have no idea. So I'm, I'm just glued to this window. And we get about 600 meters, I think, off the X. And he's just like, hey, sure, dude, what's wrong with your arm? And I'm like, nothing. I, I'm holding my gun, right? Yeah, I'm busy. Yeah, and uh, I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, did you look at it? I'm in short sleeves, by the way. Anybody listening, I took my top off. So I'm right. in short sleeves. And I'm like, did you look at, did you look at it? I'm like, no, dude, I'm good. Like, everything has worked up to this point yeah. with my hands. Adrenaline, morphine, everything. So like- I look down, yeah, my arm's like purple. So he's been pinching my arm, seeing if I have feeling. And obviously I don't at wow. this point. So I'm, I'm like, oh, oh, crap, dude. All right. So 
uh, and then at this point, kind of everything, like the, uh, like I can't see right almost, like your function, right? Everything's kind of all of a sudden my hands just not where I can't even like hold my gun, my right hand, like all that stuff. So then we get to the top of this like little hill. I get out, my medic like swings my door open. He's like, hey man, you're coming with me. I was like, I'm good. Like, I'm fine, man. I'm, and he's like, no, no, no. So he, him and I are walking over to the medical truck. And I just remember somebody yelling like, hey, watch out guys. There's anti-personnel mines everywhere. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Been through this. I was like, dude, three. Like, I mean, been through two. Like my odds of finding a third apparently are pretty good. I'm good at finding these things, right? Wow. So uh, yeah, so we push over to the medical truck. Um, and then like some special forces guys came over and then we kind of headed out. Wow. I have a video of, of uh, actually of, uh, uh, of, so one of the trucks took blast and it popped tires. I didn't know about any of this till like days later. Yeah. And so they, their truck couldn't drive anymore. So they had to get towed out by one of the other trucks. And so my Lieutenant, uh, has a video that I, I have it now, but he took a video of him and the driver, uh, that were getting towed in the middle of a sandstorm because after we got hit, uh, I don't know, it got dark really quick. So, all right, let me rewind. Perfect. Uh, yeah, so so I remember getting into the truck and uh, the it, there's an SF guy. Uh, he gets into the back and him and I were buddies and he uh, he hands me this like vial of, of meds and I, I, I don't know what it is and he's like, hey man, tell your medic you can get as much as you want. And I was like, all right. So he leaves I get out of the truck. My medic gets in. I'm like, hey, man, here you go. Here's this. I don't want this thing, but I'm supposed to get as much as I want. He reads it. He's laughing. He's like, dude, he gave you a whole bottle of ketamine. And I was like, I don't know anything about drugs, right? I'm like, yeah, man, sure. Give it to me. And so he gives me a bunch of ketamine. I remember it got dark really fast because a sandstorm came through. No, so in no, Syria, no, that was a ketamine. <laughs> dude, <laughs> when a sandstorm comes through, usually it follows like thunder and lightning and everything. Like it's a whole mess when it comes. Yeah. I just remember being in this truck. Like I got in, it was daylight. And I remember lo- I was sitting near the gunner. So I'm like looking up to the hatch, just talking shit, man. Just I'm so goofy. Yeah. I'm just yelling shit at him. And it's like dark. And I remember all of a sudden being like, what the fuck? Why is it fucking dark? And everybody's like laughing at me. And yeah. dude, it's cool. It's it, We got a sandstorm. And I'm like, no, man. It yeah. was just light outside. Yeah. You know, so I'm going crazy by all this stuff. Wow. And yeah. So we're riding back. And then I try to put a dip in. But at this point, my right arm is like, has a, has a, uh, like a splint, basically like a homemade splint, basically wrapped up with some sort of uh, uh, like ace bandage kind of deal. Sure, yeah, and then whatever. we took like a, I forget what they're called, but like a handkerchief tied around my neck and that was like my sling, right? Yeah. So my arm's kind of hanging in that, which I have a photo of as well. So I remember putting a dip in. I pull out my freaking dip and I go to pack it. I'm right-handed, so I go to pack it and obviously I can't even use my right hand. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit. So I pack it my left and my gunner who got hit in the face, he's like, hey, let me put it in for you. I got you, man. And I was like, no shot. I made it through all that, and I can't pack a lift. Are you kidding me? What a homie, though. Like, <laughs> yeah. you want to do that for you? Yeah, he was going to just ball it up and throw it in there for me. Yeah. And he doesn't even dip, doesn't like it. He's like, I got you. I was like, no. Nope. Awesome. So I pack it with my left hand, and I just, like, I can't even grab it, but I just grab a freaking wad of it, throw it in my mouth all loose, and I'm just, like, trying to put it in there. Yeah. And uh, then I'm drinking a freaking rip it at the same time, which is like a, a monster, an energy drink. Way I a, worse than yeah, monster. <laughs> I got a photo of this. It's funny. I'm smiling ear to ear, man. I was so happy. Yeah. yeah. I was feeling good. I don't uh, I don't want to romanticize ketamine, but yeah. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Yeah, right. Uh, I had it through an IV, so I, I can't, uh, uh, from my understanding, there's other ways to take it, but yeah. an IV is pretty wild. Yeah. Um, Either way. 100 milligrams, I believe, was the total. Who? That I had, so yeah. a decent amount. <laughs> um, a couple weird things. Yeah. 
what the human body is capable of like so it's like designed to take something like that something like that injury that explosion that wh- whatever we could we fill in the blank and give you seemingly like a lot of time to who knows what you what you're capable of in that time period before all of a sudden you're sitting there and now function starts to go like you were completely functional and you knew what was going it, not completely i guess but like as 100% as i could be I how could've... fucking yeah. wild is that that this thing is designed it's just designed to survive anyway but there's certain things when it's like dude that, you know that, that's that's a lot to go through for the human body to go into action and and go all right we got to let, let's get out of here you know we need to get somewhere better than we are now and get some help but i got you for a few minutes you know right i remember I still remember like that moment. Uh, so as a Ford observer, your main job is kind of what we talked about earlier, but I mean, secondary, you're hanging out with an, uh, an infantry platoon. Sure. So like you have to be, uh, I mean, the goal is to be just as proficient as them, as the, at their job. Capable. Right. So, so you can do, you can fill a spot. You can Absolutely. do exactly what they need. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not saying I was the best dude ever or whatever, but like I tried to pay attention and uh, that was like one thing um, that like blew me away was there's a lot of dudes kind of uh, kind of full circle man back to like that it's you know everyone wants to be gangster told it's time to be gangster everybody in the military from combat arms they always talk about man when I get shot at one day this is how I'm gonna act I'm gonna be the tough guy mm-hmm. I'm gonna do whatever and it's just not true yeah. I don't know how to determine who's who. Uh, but I can tell you when you see who's who, it it's a trip. You're just like, uh, like, um, seeing guys that uh, I thought were experienced, or they said they did a bunch of this other stuff, and 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 just like walking um up up to me with a gun slung, so I crawl out of the truck. I'm getting my wet. I'm checking my gun, right? Hey, it's loaded. Whatever. Obviously, I missed the mag, but I mean, I made sure. Okay, we're good. Uh, and, uh, he comes out of the truck and walks up to me, gun slung. Hey man, is everybody okay? I remember it like plain as day. I was like, what do you, what dude, nobody's okay. Like, what do you freaking mean, man? I don't, I don't even know at this point, really. Obviously yeah. I just got out, but, uh, yeah, gun slung dude. Like, are you what? And then, um, when I ran to other gun trucks, they were just like, Hey, where am I supposed to look? I'm like, dude, I'm not an infantryman, but I know in a triangle, there's three freaking points and this is your sector of fire, and that's the best I got to work with, and this is what you're going to handle. And we'll fill in some spots where you can't cover, man. There's dudes on the ground. Yeah. Either way, get that gun up. Right. So I like I ran over a gunner and was like, hey, you are you are looking that way. And then I told the driver in our truck, hey, man, I don't have a radio. My shit's smoked. Yeah. Uh, can you tell them this? Right. Like feeding some information. And then like when we got back, we did an AAR, which is uh, stands for After Action Review. Mm-hmm. Which is like, how did it go? What are some things we can improve on? Uh, yeah. What do we good? What do we do good on? And my infantry platoon was just like, hey, I, I, this. So, um, my arm was hurt, but the next day my leg locked up, so I didn't know my leg was hurt at all. Hmm. Uh, I, I, to this day, they don't really know exactly, but it just didn't work. Couldn't hmm. walk. It was crazy. Uh, swelled up. It was gnarly. But, um, so I was like in the room. I didn't really walk around if I didn't have to. But uh. 
was hanging out in the room. They kind of called me over. They were having a little AR, and they were like, they they kind of just said some like kind words about, like, hey, dude, you know, out of everybody here, I don't think anybody kind of had their shit together, like you did. Yeah, you got out and you just kind of were there. You, you just, have to, right? And and I don't know if that's a you're born with it kind of deal, or you just survival. You know, you got it in you, yeah, or right, whatever. Right. Uh, I think that I'm pretty decent at handling like stressful stuff. I think it takes a lot to really get me worked up. Yeah. Like I could be in a bad spot and still do it. Yeah. It's not a problem for me. Um, so like th- those are kind of some cool problems. It's awesome. You know that if I-, I felt absolutely pretty proud of that stuff. Yeah. So. Another thing I was going to point out, and we talked about this earlier in a different way, but, um, you know, with your buddies and stuff and, and the civilian and the military side of it, but there's a strange thing that happens when you get so close to these people. And this relating to what you said about uh, just everybody get back, you know, like yeah, yeah, there right. are a lot of people that will cut your throat to get ahead of you or they'd rather you take the hit than them and, and da, 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 da. But it's like, you know, they say that thing, they don't say it, we fucking say it, but <laughs> but the guy to our left and our right, you know, like, they're more important. And I know that that sounds really cool to say. And I understand that it's it's a... Almost cliche and corny. Very and, much yeah, so. Very yeah. much so. Like, mm, when it comes down to it, <laughs> I, I need to be okay, kind of regardless of everybody else. Yeah. It's just not the way it happens. And I mean, like, you, it, it's it's so weird how just you're, you just don't think about yourself for uh, a period of time. And it's it's just, it's strange, but that's it's such a good character trait, you know? Yeah, and I don't know how it's developed. Uh uh, for me, my theory, because most guys that I've encountered that have that, uh, and I'm sure there's guys on the other side, but a lot of guys that did not come from a ton, uh, a lot, uh, when they were growing up, right? Always longed for that kind of relationship. Absolutely. Uh, with so- anybody, you know, a parent, a friend, whatever. Yeah. When you get that, uh, it, like as an adult, when you f- feel that finally, it is just, you don't know you feel it or whatever, but it's the wildest thing that you miss forever that like you wish you could have like if i could give up everything for something that's what i would get back yeah that's the one thing i would swap out for yeah um so then when when something does happen your brain's wanted that for so long it finally allowed it to happen and it's so important to your brain absolutely or to your being yeah that when everything else is stripped away and your brain has to make a decision it goes okay the most important thing to me is this thing this relationship that i have with other people are you know, I'm so close and I love these people because you, you've constantly put yourself lower than that your whole life, right? So then all of a sudden, this one thing means more than anything else in the world. I don't think, I, I don't, I'm not sure if you can like develop that mindset. It's almost like you uh-huh. have it in you from nurture in yeah. a sense. Yeah. Now, I'm sure some people are like so close to family that it means so much to them on the opposite end. I, I, I can't speak on that. I, you know, that's not my. Uh, not my journey or whatever, right? right? But I know for me, that was so important that like, okay, we all got hurt. Everybody was okay. Great. Awesome. That mine. Hey man, I already got blown up. Like, I don't really care. Yeah. It doesn't really bother me. I wasn't, even to this day, like I've never thought about it going, oh, well, what if it went off? All right. It just, it is what it is. But 
knowing what it did to my truck and I'm leaning against this truck and this truck is now, it, it might have the same issue that mine just did. We got lucky. My, nothing happened to us on mine. I don't know if you get lucky two times in a row. It's a tough day. You know, that's a big gamble. Yeah. So for me, that was more scary. Yeah. Than, well, and hearing about the, the old, I mean, it still happens this day, but like the, the story, the guy who jumped on the grenade and saved his whole team, it's like, whoa, you know? And, but like, just, let's just talk about your story because you just got done telling. No, you're good. Yeah. If, if that thing went off, if I'm kneeling on, if this is me and I'm kneeling on that mine and I, my last request or order is you guys all get safe. That thing goes off. I'm no longer here. I'm all right with that being my last thing. You know what I mean? Like, like that motherfucker cared more, you know, and, and the guy that jumped on the grenade to save his butt. It's like, if you've got to give a legacy, man, dude, I'm okay with that one. How much every one of those people that when you jumped on that grenade that live, there's going to be dudes naming their children after, you know, like, like that, it just will not go, you know, every day that one of those guys wakes up and is alive there, they have to go fucking Jimmy, man. You know, I would not be changing this kid's diaper or blah, 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 blah. If it wasn't for that, just the bravest of the brave and the dopest of the dope. Like, you know, it's a, it's a special thing that happens in the military and I can only speak for infantry units, but I'm guessing it's most of it. Right. Sure. Cooks and postal clerks might not have that kind of a dying loyalty to their, to their crew, but they, again, they don't need to, you know, but it's like the, the, my guys that went back to Fallujah, I mean, dude got shot in the face, shot in the shoulder. And he was, up on guns, melting barrels to, in order for doc to come up. I mean, just like, and, and you know, these dudes, you're one of them, but I'm saying these, these, this guy I'm talking about, these guys, I'm those dudes are way out of my league. And I don't even, well, I'm I'm just like, it's, (laughs) it's like the humblest of humble wouldn't change a thing. You know what I mean? And, and it's like, thanks for like the accommodations and like, like, um, uh, what's it called when you, uh, because I don't believe you um, win a medal of, uh, you know, a silver star. Oh, so yeah, yeah. You, or you're awarded those things. They're, the dudes I know are like, I, I I was just doing what I am supposed to. You know what I mean? And it's this completely selfless, like, just fucking bad motherfucker act, you know? And that's something that you just, it's really hard to even come close to experiencing that. Well, yeah, not even like, we got to think about like in the, let's just civilian world, right? Where could you experience? That's that? what I mean. Yeah. They're not even getting the opportunity. So it's not a diss on them. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Cause there's probably plenty of people out there. Of course. But the issue is that, that I see is like now, like trying to have friends now it's like, prove it to me. Yeah. H- how do I know you're my friend? Right. Well, I mean, bad on me for thinking that basically, because like, how the hell are they going to prove that? There's no freaking way. Absolutely. But because like you and I have seen somebody prove that we now know there's a way. So when somebody doesn't prove it in our minds, we go, Oh, well they, they're not that person because they didn't prove it. And it it may not be with everybody. Like I'm not saying I hate everybody, but like somebody could do everything for you. But that one task that you were, your buddy you were talking about and you're like, yeah, well, and your, your brain subconsciously is like, well, I, you didn't, 
give that sacrifice or like, I don't know if you're capable of that. Yeah. I know somebody who is. Yeah. And it's a very rough balance. Right. And for, it's, go ahead. I say for me, it's like in relationships. Yeah. Like, how am I supposed to trust this lady? And, and she might be great. You know, like I'm not saying I'm not like no diss on anybody, but like, how am I supposed to trust everything? Even my money, let's imagine, right? Like financial stuff, like all that I'm supposed to share it with somebody. And I don't know if they would do that for me. Like I know some people would mm-hmm. like, I could give you every dime that I own right mm-hmm. now in cash, sit on the desk and be like, Hey man, I got to go for a year and do whatever. Unless you need it, don't spend it. And I could come back and every dime will be there. Mm-hmm. And I don't like, I don't, I haven't known you for that long. Right. But there's a, you just know. Yeah. And, and it is unfair and unwarranted, I guess. Mm-hmm. But then again, it's just it's just something you're used to. I've talked about this kind of at nauseum, but it's like I know my expectations are high, but again, it's because I know a dude right now that lives in California. I know a dude right now that lives in Oakland, Texas, Maine, Philly. I know all these dudes that if I go, I really, I mean, really need you. They're like you said in their car. They're all I'm, we're, just send me your address. I'm on my way, motherfucker. You know, it's like, and I do the same. You know, so. Yeah, it's like that. We we used to make a joke like uh, in the military, like you know, or it, this translates to whatever, but you know who your real friends are because they'll talk all the shit to your face, but behind your back they talk about you. They'll talk they, they talk you up like you're the best person yeah, in the world. Yeah, I know this guy. You know, yeah, yeah. that's like, pretty cool. Yeah, because and it's so true, man. Like how much bad things have you said to your best friends? Not bad because you hate them, just like wild stuff yeah and then but if you ever talk about them now that doesn't get brought up you have you have you, they're the best person my in the real world. life heroes yeah I, I get to be friends with real right. life right dudes yeah you know but in the, in person you would never tell them that i i do and just to make them feel uncomfortable right right <laughs> but it's a poke at them yeah 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 because yeah. they fucking hate it like, shut up man i'm still you know blah 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 but yeah it's it's neat to know ethan place that Sniper buddy of mine is on a real life hero. You know what I mean? And it's like I I know the guy. He lives right here. I I, I know the guy. And it's and it's weird when you see him because he's just a guy. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, not real. You know what I mean? If put in the right situation, stay on the good side of that scope, you know? Because <laughs> fucking yeah. bad news. Well, yeah, look, man. man, it's been almost two hours. I have got to eat and you have got to get home for work in the morning. Yes, sir, I do. I appreciate you coming over. I This was a lot of fun. You did great. I think mm-hmm. we got through a bunch of really good stuff, and uh, it's it's been awesome getting to know you, and, and it's nice to have somebody that shares the, the, the fitness thing with me. I don't have a lot of that and, you know, buddies and stuff, so that part's been great, but uh, I appreciate you coming by, brother. No, I appreciate you having me, man, and, uh, you know, there's a – for anybody listening, man, we talk about so much stuff other than just what we covered right now. There's just so much that Don and I talk about. We'll do some and, more. Yeah, dive into. It's like, I don't know. It's just hard to cover it all yeah. in, in such a short amount of time. It is. And even two hours goes by really quick, you know. But I feel <laughs> like on this one, it wasn't, uh, there wasn't any pressure to keep things moving. And that, I think, the organic thing, I think, is like so good for this platform and because my hope is obviously um, 
when people hear this, it's like, I'm so honored to be in anyone's vehicle or ears while I always say cutting the grass or driving to work because like, that's so it's my time to go off into. So I'm just always really happy and honored that anybody wants to sit down and and listen to this stuff. But (laughs) I also think it's good. It's good stuff. It's life stuff. It's real. You know, none of this was scripted and we just, I can tell you guys, I had a couple (laughs) notes about being a depressed little boy landmine story and i have some other shit but it doesn't even matter we covered a bunch of stuff so (laughs) this was great man i appreciate you um oh what's for uh dinner tonight for you i think i'm in the mood for some eggs yeah i think i'm gonna go you're a big egg dude yeah big eggs man i love them and i can't (sighs) i know you they you got over them a while ago huh oh yeah i can run for two or three months with them and then i'm done yeah i don't know it's just a staple dude what are you going for? Oh yeah, you you're doing your meat and rice. I do have a bunch of rice. So. Yeah, I'll just bust out some some beef and yeah, well, that's about it for me. People listening, we talked a lot about you know loyalty and 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 hard work and loyalty to yourself and and all that stuff that I I know I talk about almost every podcast. But if if you're in a place where you can't find your why keep searching email me i'll i'll sit and talk to you i'll send chase over your way he won't give you a fucking (laughs) choice um but try to find that why and not just to work out but um to make yourself you know that one percent better every day i think that's awesome it's not too much to ask one percent better than you were yesterday i don't think i don't think that's an impossible order for any of us you know or or the 70% thing, you know, 70% get a C tomorrow, you know, try not to maybe get that donut or, or, or talk to your spouse or, you know, listen to positive music or whatever your thing is that, uh, keeps you on that positive track. And I I just don't think you can go wrong. You know, any advice you can, I'll open it up. Uh, yeah, to kind of hit on that a little bit, uh, that why it's like, you know, why do you go to work? Because everybody does it. Yeah. Uh, sure, financial, you got a family, whatever. Uh, if you think it's hard to find your why to do the thing that you want to do that you're not doing, look at all the things you do do, figure out the whys for those. It'll help out a lot because a lot of folks think, like, I can't do this thing because I can't convince myself, right? I don't know my why mm-hmm. to do it. But you, there's a, you have whys all over the place. You've just been doing it so long, you don't need that why anymore. You don't need to remind yourself, I have a family to go to work every day. You just go to work, right? But for in the beginning, it's like, you know, when you're grinding or you're trying to find a better job, whatever, and trying to save money and get a house or whatever, you're so laser focused. You know your why. Uh, it's pretty obvious, and and you found it. Like you you you're you're capable of it, right? This isn't uh this isn't like new territory. I'm not asking you to do something you've never done. Yeah. Um, so, so remind yourself of all your whys in your life and that might help you find the why to do this thing that you want to do that you haven't been doing. It's at least a good thought process to go, to start on, you know, and just keep searching, do something nice for yourself and somebody else and, you know, be, be good. And, uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you coming by brother. Yes, sir. Thank you. We'll see you.